Hey there, Agile Hoot Nannies, and welcome to another episode of Agile Bytes, the podcast sponsored by Integrity Inspired Solutions, where we build software in an agile manner day in and day out. We're going to do something a little bit different for this episode. If you're a scrum master or an agile coach or a project manager, the, the kind of people who most often listen to this podcast, I want to give you a minute to go grab your developers. I want you to wade through those empty cans of Red Bull, pull them out of the guild raid that they're on right now instead of working. They can bring their bag of Takis if they want to, but go get them. Bring them over to the radio where you like to listen to this podcast because we got a surprise for them today. We're going to be talking about uh, a technical aspect of being agile. We don't often talk about the technical aspects of agility on this podcast, although uh, we should, and we're going to start doing it more because there is a very strong technical component to your team's agility and to your organization's agility. It's one of the reasons why in a previous podcast, I recommended that scrum masters and agile coaches have some degree of technical knowledge because it's very difficult to holistically engage your team and your organization's agility without addressing all the different technical pieces that can limit your agility or can promote your agility. And so today we're going to talk about one of them. This is something that sort of spans all worlds. So even if you're not a technical person, I think you'll be able to follow along just fine. And it'll be good grist for the mill, good conversations. If your developers aren't able to listen to this podcast, the next time you're at a party where there are a lot of software developers, just throw this topic out there like a hand grenade and leave, actually. But you'll, you'll get some strong opinions and some good conversations. Today, I want to talk about the idea of when you're building an app, when should you start worrying about the database, specifically the design of the database? Where does that come in the process? And the thing that got me thinking about this was actually some colleagues in the space talking about this exact issue. They are software developers. They are very successful software developers advocating the position that you should design the database first on the grounds that your database often outlives the application, which is true, and that the database is one of the hardest layers to change, which is also true. But I'm going to take a different tack on it. And in order to do this, let me give you some context by telling you a story. If you are a developer over the age of, say, 35, not me, of course, I've been in my late 20s for the past 20 years or so, but some developers are older than that. And if you are, then when you started learning to build applications, you probably started by designing the database. In fact, I remember several, several years ago, working for other companies, doing technical interviews, a question that I like to throw out sometimes is, if I asked you to build me an app to manage a baseball team, how would you start that? And what I was really hoping was the person sitting across from me would start asking me lots of questions. Sometimes this didn't happen though. And inevitably, when someone actually started to sort of whiteboard how they would do the app, they always started with the database. I can't remember a single interview where the developer didn't start with the database. A lot of us just sort of learned this. And the main reason I believe that we learned to do it this way wasn't because methodologically it was the best thing to do, but because technologically it's where we came from. You have to understand that prior to widespread custom app development, which on the world stage of technology is a, is a fairly recent thing, most organizations worked directly with databases. And that's why databases have names like Oracle. 
because what do oracles do? You have a question, you go to the oracle, you ask the oracle the question, and they, from the depths of their mystical knowledge, produce the answer for you. And that's the way organizations use databases. You would go to the database, you would query it in its own special language, and it would give you the answers you wanted. How many sales did we achieve last month, for example? Or how many revenues, or how much revenue do we have this quarter? Or how many trouble tickets got entered? These are all things that you would ask the database. Well, as technologies developed that allowed us to integrate with databases, one of the most popular ones for a long time was Microsoft Access, where the database allowed you to create forms over the top of it. But eventually, web pages developed the ability to interact with databases. At the time, this was almost entirely server-side. Technologies like ASP and PHP, and we would sort of spaghetti in the data access code with the actual HTML that was being generated. So we sort of had rudimentary abilities to get data out of a database and write data back into databases through web pages. Well, because of tools like Microsoft Access and because most of what we were doing is being modeled in the database, most of the business rules too were modeled in the database in terms of stored procedures, that triggers different database restrictions and things like that. Then the apps that we built were mostly pretty screens to interact with a database. And a lot of UI conventions that are now commonplace came from that paradigm where I don't want users to have to learn SQL. So instead, I'm going to build them a front end to interact with the database. And so you would have web pages that were grids of records that would have actions on the far side, mostly add, edit, and delete. Or you might have a lot of master detail views because what we were really doing was modeling the business and the business logic in the database, just like we always had done, but now we were creating a pretty front end for people to interact with the data in the database rather than them having to learn SQL. And, and early app development was pretty much that. That was the paradigm. Well, as time has gone on and app development has become a lot more commonplace, then a different paradigm has taken hold. Now, for most users, the database is not what they want to work with. They want apps to help them get something done. They want apps that have capabilities and that capability is what they want. And their primary point of contact with that capability is the screen, not the database. And yet many developers and software development companies are still holding on to this sort of database first paradigm as if the organization ultimately is still working with the database and the UI is just kind of an easy way to do that. And this has created some, I, I would personally say, some situations in software development that are not as agile as they could be. Because when you take sort of this database-centric or this database-first approach, not only is everything upstream kind of constrained by the database, but you begin to use the database to solve business problems. You begin to reduce every business activity to creating or reading or updating or deleting record in a database. And for software developers like myself that have been in the game a long time, this is almost automatic. Like you tell us a business capability and in our heads, in minutes, we've decomposed this into a series of database reads and writes. It's, it's almost not even a business problem anymore. It's really just 
how can I make database tables do this? The problem is that relational database tables are not the primary thing users want to interact with, nor are they necessarily the best structure to model business problems. Think about it like this. Let's say in your business, I was giving you a pen and paper tool. That's what you had to do your job. And what I gave you was an accounting ledger. Could you figure out how to do your job using that accounting ledger? Yeah, if you thought about it long enough, you could probably figure it out. But is the accounting ledger the best structure for you to do your job? Now, for some of you, it might be. Uh, you might be an accountant, for an, exam for an example. Or, or maybe your job is very much sort of a line-by-line -line or records relational kind of job. Maybe your job is primarily the recording and storage of data, for example. But for most of us, our jobs, or even outside of work, just the capabilities we want out of our apps, an accounting ledger would be extremely difficult to do that job. And if we tried to reduce all of our job functions to something that could be represented in an accounting ledger, we would probably have to do a lot of violence to that accounting ledger. We would be using that accounting ledger in ways that God never intended accounting ledgers to be used. Why? Because the accounting ledger is just not the best structure for a lot of business stuff, right? And when we develop applications from a database first perspective, we tend to break all application capabilities down into database tables and read write interactions with those tables. And then our user interface tends to follow that same line of thought. The problem is, of course, like with the accounting ledger, those kinds of user interfaces and those kinds of business problems do not always reduce well into database tables. Database tables are not always the best way to model that business process. And a lot of crazy things have been done in databases. Boy, I could tell you stories. Buy me a tumbler full of scotch and I will tell you stories of databases gone by where they have really, really tortured that relational database to try to get it to model all the business processes. The other way that a database first approach limits your agility is exactly the reason why some people say you ought to build the database first. And that is the data storage layer is often the hardest to change. Once you've committed to a certain structure or even a certain database, it can be very difficult to change that. It's certainly not economical. And if you think about all the different layers of an application going from data storage all the way up to the UI, the UI is very easy to change. It's very fluid. We can move stuff around all day. The database, not so much. There's profound ramifications for getting the database wrong, potentially. Because of this, database first people say you should start with the database. For me, I think this is a very compelling reason to put it off as long as you possibly can. Why is that? Because at the beginning of app development is when you know the least about what you're going to end up with. You think you know, but you don't know. The whole premise of agile development is that the software development has to be adaptive. It has to be responsive to the feedback that we get back, to changes in the market, to changes in our user base. To, to changes in the landscape and the product landscape that, that you and I couldn't possibly control or be able to know in a definitive way up front. That's the whole reason we are trying to do agile software development, right? Is to leave our options open so that we can be responsive to the things that happen. So I would recommend 
If there's a layer of the application that you know is the most expensive or the most risky to change, then we want to do two things. One is we want to wait until the last possible moment to make our commitments to that structure. The second thing is we want to make sure that that structure is isolated as much as possible from every other thing that we're doing so that it can evolve independently of the other things that we're doing. How do you achieve this? Through excellent decoupled software architecture, following the things that we know we're supposed to do, solid principles, making sure that we're very careful about dependency inversion, making sure that we're coding to abstractions, making sure that we are decoupling our layers as much as possible so that the physical structure of the database does not bleed up into other layers of the application, using an ORM for impotence mismatch so that we can make sure that the business objects we're working with and our business logic layers and the objects that we are presenting and our presentation layers are not tightly coupled to those database tables. That's what you want to do because that's always what we want to do with any part of our application that we think might be risky or expensive to change. We want to isolate it. We don't want to bleed it throughout the whole application. I remember reading a post somewhere from someone talking about how we don't tell clients no enough, which maybe in certain contexts, there's some truth to that. But the example they used is they had built uh, a product for a client and the client was able to upload videos to it. Well, at some point, the client asked for YouTube integration and this software development company told them, no, they weren't going to do that because to do that would mean massive restructuring of the code base, which potentially introduced a lot of risks and a lot of bugs, not to mention a lot of time and money. And to me, that was a sad thing to read. That is evidence of a highly tightly coupled architecture, which is great for speed of production, but very bad for future modifications. So we don't want the database to dictate the other structures. We want it to be separate from them. We want it to be isolated from them as much as possible so that these structures can all evolve independently. If you change the column name in a database and now you have to change a lot of code in response to that, you have a tightly coupled architecture. If you change the structure of your database table and now you're having to edit a lot of code beyond just like maybe an ORM mapping or something, you have a very tightly coupled architecture. And if you change something in the database and you have to change the UI, you have an incredibly tightly coupled architecture. You want these things to be able to evolve independently. So my suggestion is that we don't start with the database. We start with the UI. The UI is very easy to change. We can make all kinds of mistakes and very cheaply recover from them. And the UI is what facilitates most of our client feedback. If I show my client uh, a diagram of the database, they're probably not going to be able to tell me, oh, you missed this field here, or, oh, you have this field as required and it doesn't need to be. Oh, you've got a unique, you got a unique key on this field, but it's not always going to be unique. Oh, you've got a clustered index here, but we don't actually search on that. Maybe they'll be able to tell me those things, but most clients probably are not. But when I'm showing them a screen and they're playing around with, say, a prototype or a screen with a very lightly held data architecture, then they can tell me things like, oh, you forgot to ask me about this, or, oh, this let me enter in this information, but it didn't give me an error back, and it probably should. Or, wow, this is a lot of fields. I don't think we need this many fields. Or, 
wow, this query was really slow. It's interacting with the UI where a client is going to be able to give me feedback like that. And that feedback is ultimately going to inform my data structures. So I want to be slow to commit to my data structures. I don't want to be early to commit to the data structures. I want to be early on the UI. The other thing that frees me up to do then is design UIs according to the job that needs to be done. What is the best and easiest way I can help a user be awesome at this capability through the software? What is the best UX I can provide for them while they are doing their jobs or using this app recreationally or whatever it is they're trying to accomplish with the app? If you think about the times that you've recommended apps to friends, it probably isn't because the data structure was so great. It was because the app made it easy for you and maybe even fun for you to do something that you want to do, or it saved you some time doing something that you do a lot of. When we start with the UI, we are focused on the user, their experience, their needs, and their capabilities. And then we can use that as a forum to get good feedback and start hammering out the data structures that are best going to be able to quickly and efficiently store and retrieve the data that that application needs to function. So if you're thinking about where to start in terms of the application development process, I don't, for most applications, there are exceptions to everything, but for most applications, I don't recommend starting with the database. Instead, I would recommend that you start with the UI. Start with what the user wants to get done and defer your commitments to the database. And I think in the long run, that will produce a much, much better app, a much more maintainable app, a much more useful app, and ultimately provide you with the data structures that you're actually going to need. Thanks everyone for listening to Agile Bytes. Agile does sometimes bite, but we don't think it always has to. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be using. And if you can, leave us a comment because we'd love to hear your feedback. What things would you like to hear about? What things did you hear that were valuable to you today? You can also head over to integrityinspired.com to sign up to our email list. But that's all for today, folks. We'll see you next time.